Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, the uh, the offseason is chugging right along. We've got OTAs. Not a whole lot of discussion coming out of OTAs and, and what's been happening there. Uh, but we do want to talk about some players that the Lions have either drafted in late rounds or undrafted guys that we look at and say, hey, their production can really help this team. There are guys that are developing that can be producers on this team. Not that you're going to find a Hall of Famer that's been an undrafted guy, but guys that come in and create the depth of your roster. Um, who is it that that you look at as a guy that was either undrafted, a, a late pick, that can really add to the depth and quality of this roster? Yeah, I, you know, just brainstorming this weekend, every year – when we go through the draft, right, there's always a couple picks and you say, okay, you know, you, like uh, let's say Bro- Broderick Martin, for example, right? Lions took him in the third round. You watch his film and you're like, okay, you know, don't see a really day one impact guy, but they always get labeled as what? Kind of these project players, right? Uh, year two, year three, then they're going to start taking off, right? Same thing you, you could be say uh, be said with, uh, you know, even Sorsdahl, the offensive lineman they took there, uh, in the fifth round, right? Small school, uh, William and Mary, right? Not going to come in and be a starter day one, but hey, project type guy, guy that we're hoping in a couple years might take that step. So we're looking at guys now that might be in their third, you know, fourth year on this team that were initially viewed as project guys that we think are ready to take a big step. And I think the one guy, look, he's played a lot, Jerry Jacobs. He was an undrafted free agent a couple years ago. He's going into his third year. Uh, He played a lot year one, kind of in the slot. Him and A.J. Parker were kind of battling it out. You saw some good things. Last year, I know he was injured uh, from the first half of the season. uh, But when he came back, you know, a lot of more decent playing time, right? When Jeff Okuda went through his ups and downs and more specifically the downs, Jerry Jacobs was a guy that uh, got thrown into a larger role. I look at him as being that type of guy that – he was a project guy. He was undrafted, right? He, he was he was good enough to make the team a couple of years ago out of training camp, but you've never really seen the consistency with him 
uh, to say, okay, this guy's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be a guy that we're going to see primed uh, for a bigger role, uh, not only this year in this defense, right? We know that there's a lot of new defensive backs coming in via free agency, uh, but he's going to be a guy that's going to compete and battle to get, you know, 60, 70% of the playing time when they're in that nickel, dime defense, third down, whatever it is, uh, because I think he's that guy that fits that mold as came in as a project, young guy, ready to take that step year three to show that he's a player. Now, I think he's also going to be one of the players that uh, they try to hopefully sign to a future deal, right? I know he's going into his last year. He was undrafted, so he's going to be restricted, uh, which pretty easy to retain those guys for at least one more year. But, you know, when you look at uh, Mosley, right, and you look at C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I mean, those guys are one-year deals, right? You don't really have a future there at your defensive backfield outside of Cam Sutton, who signed a three-year deal. I think Jerry Jacobs is going to be that guy for me that's going to step up and say, okay, man, like year three, everything's starting to come together, and this guy's going to prove that he's an every every down player in this league. I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. A guy that was undrafted this year, um, and we had mentioned we were going to talk a little bit about some of these guys, and Mo Ibrahim out of Minnesota. I think that was a huge opportunity for the Lions to grab a guy that wasn't drafted. I was a little surprised he wasn't drafted. I know there's some injury concerns. He was banged up a little bit in college because he's a guy that at Minnesota was a 25 to 30 carry a game guy. So he's there's some wear and tear there. And in 2021, he missed almost the entire season towards Achilles in the first game of the year. And it was a 30 carry game, um, 163 yards in that game but he's always been right between five and five and a half care of yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what the Lions have this year, obviously they go and sign Montgomery, that he's going to be a huge part of the running game of this offense. You draft Jameer Gibbs, going to be a huge part of the running game, but also the passing game. But you want to have a guy that can come in as a changeup. I think Mo Ibrahim is he's a little bit bigger than um, than Jameer Gibbs. And I think he has a frame to put on some weight. So if I'm looking at him possibly as the third back on this roster, if he gets two, three carries a game, um, they can really bring him along, allow him to continue to heal up. Last year, he was a 1,500-yard back. Yeah, it's pretty good in the Big Ten, especially. Yeah, right? I mean, it was, you know, first team all Big Ten two times. Once was the year 2020, another one. And in, in that year, only seven games, and he was still a 1,000-yard back. He's got the ability to be a guy that can have a little wiggle to him, but he's more of a north-south type of back. And Jamal Williams, he was that guy that you handed the ball to on short yardage. I really think that's where you could utilize Mo Ibrahim as a guy that can, you know, be a little bit elusive, but put the foot in the ground, go downhill. And if you manage his workload, can be a really nice third option and develop into maybe in a couple of years, David Montgomery, you know, he plays out his contract. He moves on. You got Jameer Gibbs. You have a guy like Mo Ibrahim that is kind of a utility guy in the backfield, especially if you're going to use Gibbs, as a slot receiver or in a number of different ways. You can get these guys on there, and it's about creating mismatches and confusion on the defense. And I think Mo Ibrahim is a guy that can be that. And they, when you look at you, you, 
you always try and entice those guys that went undrafted. You're a little bit surprised that they went undrafted. They create some value. What do you offer them in contract? And the Lions offered them 100 to sign, 100, 100K to sign. You don't see that a lot with undrafted guys right. unless you're trying to entice a guy. You feel he's got value to your offense. You didn't draft him late because you wanted to you know, address a few needs. There was a couple of the guys you wanted first, but you wanted to make sure you get them. You give him a little bit more money than anybody else would. And I think for him, running behind this offensive line can be a huge part. Well, I don't want to say a huge part. Could be an integral part of this offense as a changeup pitch coming out of the backfield, take a little bit of the load off of Montgomery and Gibbs, especially in short yardage and goal-to-go situations. Yeah, so, and, and we know the Lions love the running backs too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. there's, there's not just two guys that rotate. I mean, even last year, obviously we know Jamal Swift, uh, Craig Reynolds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other guys. I mean, Jamar Jefferson a couple of years ago, Godwin Equibuke. I mean, these were all guys that had meaningful playing time. So the Lions aren't that one of those teams that's going to just keep uh, just one workhorse or just two guys. I mean, they like having three, if not four, running backs uh, that can be able to rotate, that can be able to give these guys uh, a breather. And I think I think Mo Ibrahim is going to be um, – if we talk about late-round guys, free agent guys – I think he's going to be one of those guys that everybody's looking at that's saying he might have the best shot to make this team based off of his skill set. I'll give you a couple other guys that, uh, you know, sticking on the defensive side that are going into year three, year four, that I think, hey, man, this is kind of the time where you have to prove you're a valuable NFL player, right? This is kind of a make-or-break season for some of these guys. The first one being uh, Julian Okwara, right? Mm -hmm. I think a couple years ago, uh, we saw, you know, a little bit banged up there, you know, missed a couple games here and there, but he, he showed flashes of being able to provide a pass rush and being able to provide a pass rush from the inside. Um, you know, one game sticks out. It was the Baltimore game that we all remember that God forsaken 67 yeah. yard field goal. But late in that game, I mean, he had two or three quarterback hits and it was just like, man, if we can get consistency out of, out of a guy like that, that can just add to that depth and add to that rotation, of pass rushers that they're starting to build, he can make a hell of a career for himself being a pass rush type guy. I think he's in one of those critical years to say, dude, like you got to prove it, man. You know, and I know a lot of his issues has been health. It just because he he hasn't really seen the field a lot because due to injuries, right? Yeah. But this is kind of one of those guys that you look at and say, okay, he's primed to have hopefully a breakout season. He wasn't a guy that they drafted that said he's he's gonna. I know he was a third rounder, but. Nobody said he's going to come in and be a day one impact type guy. He was labeled a little bit more raw, right? A little bit more uh, of a uh, project type player as well. Well, it's year four now. Like mm-hmm. you got to start, you got to start reaping those uh, rewards a little bit. Another guy, Fatim Elefantu. I think he's been kind of easily forgotten. I know, I think it was his rookie year. He blew out the Achilles, right? Like week yep. four, week five ish. Um, guy that has really good size, six three. You know, pushing probably two twenty. I know they moved him to safety. Uh, which is probably more comfortable position based for his skill set. But that's a guy also a third round pick going into year three. He's kind of in one of those years as well, where it's like, this is where you got to start seeing it. You know, you got to start seeing the competition level raise a little bit. You got to see the consistency uh, just be there more often. And I know it's going to be a crowded defensive backfield this year, um, but they, they're going to need to find guys that they can trust, that they can sign for the next two, three, four, five years. I think Ify Milifon, if he gets in a, in that room with a healthy Tracy Walker, 
a guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a second-year player who had a really good rookie campaign, Kirby Joseph. Hopefully that raises the competition for him to say, you know what, I got to step my you-know-what up, and I got to go out there and prove that I'm a capable, valuable NFL player. And I think he's another player that could be primed for a year three breakout season. Well, and I've got two guys that I think have to take major steps forward this year, or it could be the team moves on from them. And one of them has been a guy we've seen on and off, and that's Derek Barnes. Yeah. You know, they go out and they draft Jack Campbell in the first round. Last year, it was Malcolm Rodriguez drafted in the sixth round. But they've been major contributors. Or I say Jack Campbell is expected to be a major contributor. He's a first-round pick. And Malcolm Rodriguez was a major contributor. Derek Barnes has been just kind of laying around, has had some opportunity, but has really struggled to make some plays when he's been. We've seen flashes. Yeah, just consistency, right? Yeah, and and in your in year three, that's where you've got to have that consistency. And if Derek Barnes can't show in year three, coming out of Purdue. That he's going to be a you know somebody that they can rely upon as a linebacker to give Anzalone a break, to give Rodrigo a break, to give Jack Campbell a break. I think the Lions move on from him after this year, um, and maybe even during training camp. The other guy has been banged up. I was I didn't like the draft pick when it happened, but he's here. He's been banged up, hasn't been on the field, and he's got to be motivated. That's Levi Onzarike. You go out and and the Lions have, you know, obviously brought in Isaiah Bugs. They went out and drafted Broderick Martin. Aleem McNeil was in the same draft as as Onzarike, but Benito Jones is a part of this. Like at some point, you've got to stay healthy enough during training camp to to show the coaches that you can contribute, that you can be one of those guys that helps stop the run, that puts pressure in the middle of the pocket. Levi Onzarike has been riddled with injuries since he's been here. The knock that I had on him wasn't necessary injuries, but when he was at Washington was watching him and it was, Hey, one play looks like a world beater and then disappears for two or three. Yeah. Listening to him and the way that he's talked, he's, and we hear this a lot. He's in the best shape of his life, Mm -hmm. which he needs to be. If he's going to stay healthy, he needs to be this time of year. Well, yeah, but and, and, but but when you're talking about that about a guy that has had major issues, yeah, and with major, his health and a major back injury last right. year too, that I think was probably more serious than a lot of people thought. But like you said, I mean, he's he's got to stay on the field right. and he's got to show something, or the Lions are going to continue to move other players up the depth chart, and at some point, hey, you're no longer in that 53, right? Which would be disappointing too, because. Second round pick. I mean, he was a second round pick, a high second round pick, yeah. too, right? So, and I know, look, he's like you said, he's shown flashes, but the biggest thing is, and you hate to bash, you don't want to bash on guys because bad luck, you do, you do get bad luck once in a while. You do get a freak injury. You do get something that uh, you can't really plan for, or can't really avoid, right? But if you want to be an NFL player uh, and have a career where you're a va- you bring value to to teams. Availability is the best thing you can do, right? Not the best thing you can do. Obviously, you got to go play, but availability is still just crucially important, right? And Levi's been one of those guys, like you said, that you've just been kind of waiting, right? We're just kind of waiting. When are we going to see, uh, you know, what we saw at, in Washington? I remember him getting drafted, and you're watching the clips, and you're watching the highlights, and you're just like, holy 
man. Like, this guy can be a game wrecker, right? If he's got the mental space for it, if he stays, you know, physically healthy. Um, we just haven't seen that yet. But like you said, and like I said, I think we're on the same page with a lot of these guys that you're going to find out exactly what type of players they are, right? Because when you hit that year three, year four benchmark, it is like, okay, put up or shut up. I've got to prove I can either, you know, show the league and show my team and show my teammates that I've taken a step, that I'm ready uh, to become an NFL player. Or you might be, unfortunately for some of these guys, looking for a job somewhere else in a year, right? So we're going to find out exactly what type of players these guys are, what type of mentality they have. Uh, and not to say that their backs are against the wall, but you know what? This is, this is for a lot of points for a lot of careers this is the point for a lot of people i know it was for me going into year three that was okay i gotta put up or shut up i gotta go show that i'm a starter in this league and i gotta do it on a consistent level if not you might turn into a journeyman type guy for a couple years but you know it, it like you said it's put up or shut up time for a lot of these guys and were some of these guys did they simply make a roster because Two years ago, when the they were brought in, the so roster bad. was so bad. <laughs> right. Like now that the roster is is starting to get flipped, and you've got a lot of young talent, you've got to find a way to hey, you got a head start two years on a guy that was just drafted. That experience needs to pay off. Yeah. That development of being two years older, two more, two years in in the weight system, the off season program. How is that starting to pay off? And have you been able to take advantage of it? And there are some guys that you know just come in and you know that they're just better than everybody else uh and there was a list that was put out um by pro football focus the top 25 players under 25 and a couple of years ago it would have been a pipe dream to think of any detroit lion on this list you could argue a number of guys belong on this list there are two guys that are on it and that's uh penny sewell um, he comes in at number 313, and this one uh, we found on Pro Football Focus. And, the, and then Amon Ross St. Brown, who comes in at number 17. When you start having players that are young and are at the top of some of these lists, because some of the other players on this list are guys like, you know, Micah Parsons. Um, Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, Jamar Chase, so Tristan Wirfs, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Like, it's a... It's a list of studs and guys that are going to be talked about as Pro Bowl players for the foreseeable future. Actually, Joe Burrow, isn't he like 29? Maybe he's... Uh, I think I he think might have... Aged, I think he's going to age out you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like before before uh, camp starts. <laughs> um, you know, he will no longer be 25. But Old rookie. But he's, he's of the younger era, right, of right. players in the NFL right now. And I think it's interesting that the Lions do have two players on this list. It shows that Brad Holmes has been able to identify talent, and some of this talent has actually performed in, in both Amon Ross St. Brown and Penny Sewell. And I think if you take this list out another year, eventually guys age out, but you're gonna ha you could have guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Jack Campbell, um, you know, James Houston is a guy that eventually could be on this list simply because he was a late-round guy. Not a lot of people are talking about him, but he, he put up um, unbelievable numbers in the, the last half of the season. If he's able to mirror that through the course of 17 games, and now that offensive lines, offensive tackles have film on James Houston, what he was doing was a little unique, that little you know jump, 
dip around bend, the corner, dip, bend yeah. thing. Okay, first time they saw it. Now, offensive tackles have been studying that all offseason. Is that something that continues to give fits to offensive tackles? And, you know, how do does Aaron Glenn utilize some of those guys now that you have guys like Jack Campbell who can put pressure on quarterbacks from the from the middle of, of you know, uh, of a defense? Does it assist? It, it should. But how do they take their game to the next level? And I think it's interesting that we talk about the Detroit Lions as a team that should win the division, as a team that should be able to host a playoff game, win a playoff game, and they're doing it with such young talent. Yeah, and that's uh, feels like it's been a long time since we've had that, right? And I mean, even you know when we were talking about the list, we hinted at last week. It was kind of like, man, you know, should Hutchinson be in that category, right? Obviously, we know that he had a good rookie year, right? Eight and a half sacks, I think, and three interceptions. I mean, yeah. the guy showed that. Uh, hopefully, he's he's uh, he's on a good tra- trajectory to be considered one of those players. Um, probably in the very near future, but that's all part of just, I think what's been impressive about Brad Holmes is finding guys like Amon Ross St. Brown in the middle of the draft and coming in and and seeing the impact that he has and hopefully, uh, doing it again, you know, this year, last year, six of the seven draft picks, right. Playing meaningful snaps. Uh, what didn't matter if it was first round or, or sixth round guys, right. We saw everybody kind of contribute that rookie class. Hopefully this rookie class, like you mentioned, is specifically with probably the top four picks, right? I don't think anybody expects to see Hendon Hooker out there this year, but no. when you talk about Gibbs, you talk about Campbell, you talk about uh, Laporta, right? I mean, those are guys that should have a pretty big impact on this team, or at least an opportunity to have a big impact on this team. Those are more just more young guys that you just take a look at and you say, man, this could be one of the best young rosters in the NFL. And that's where we feel like they're already at. Um, the biggest thing you've obviously got to take a step into into year two for a lot of these guys coming off of good rookie seasons. But to kind of segue this into our last topic, we feel like they are a team that, right, we obviously know that they're con- contenders to win the NFC North, if yep. not favorites, uh, which means you're going to get a playoff game at home, if you take care of business, you we feel like you're at that level now. Where are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to keep making some moves, or are you going to be a team that just kind of stands pat and says, "You know what? We feel good with what we've got." Because there's been a co- big conversation, at least obviously throughout the weekend. Big name hit the free agent market, right? DeAndre Hopkins, receiver, big receiver, right? Mm-hmm. I know he missed eight games last year. Six of them were. Due to PED right. suspension. Even in the nine games he played in, you know, almost 70 catches for 700 yards. I mean, that's pretty good for 800 yards for half a season yeah. for a guy like that. I take a look at this roster. And Brad Holmes said something last year. Uh, it was right when, like, all the movement was going on, right? A.J. Brown got tra- uh, traded and uh, Hollywood Brown got traded and a bunch of wide receivers were moving. Debo Samuel wanted out of San Francisco. And I remember him saying at one of the press conferences, you know, he was asked, hey, have you considered making any of these moves, going to get a guy like that? And he said, well, you have to take a step back and realize where your team's at, right? You don't want to give up too much uh, if you feel like you're still kind of building, right? We don't feel like we're at the point yet to where we can, hey, let's go get these guys to really solidify and really complete our roster because they still just had way too many holes to fill, right? 
But when you look at this year, are the Lions in a position now where they can be one of those teams that is aggressive to say, you know what, not only are we going to go get a guy to solidify ourselves, but we're going to keep one of the other contenders, you know, from, from signing this guy and yeah. getting, you know, making them even better. Uh, I think it's interesting when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, uh, just the skill set that he has. You look at, I mean, you, I think you'd be crazy to be a Lions fan not to want this guy. I mean, a true number one receiver. Obviously, hopefully, Jamison will grow into that. We know he's going to be out six games, but to compliment Amon Ross St. Brown, to compliment, uh, you know, Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, some of these other guys, and really solidify uh, what could be, what we already hope is going to be another top five offense, but to, to solidify yourself as maybe a top two, a top three offense that is just explosive game after game after game. Well, and so you also look at the roster and say, okay, we've got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got Marvin Jones Jr., Jamison Williams when he returns from his suspension. And you've got Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy. You've got the, the late draft pick of, of Antoine Green. I, I mean, I think there's uh, – how far are you away? Amon Ross St. Brown of that bunch is your number one receiver. What happens if he gets dinged up? And, and we're talking about the first six games before J-Mo comes back. Like you've got to have more than just Josh, Ren Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, and Marvin Jones Jr. Like yeah. that, that to me doesn't strike fear we into anybody. It. That you go back two <laughs> years. <saw> year. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't look good. I think just in terms of where this roster is, and I think there's three areas where they could still address. That is wide receiver with depth and talent. And I think obviously D hop, fills that to a T mm -hmm. uh, defensive tackle. Um, and there's still a guy out there, Matt Ioannidis that I would like to see them at least pursue. I think he could be a guy that can clog up the middle, can put a little pressure on, on opposing quarterbacks. He's 29 years old. He's a guy that, you know, played at Washington, played at Carolina, can be very productive in this defense. And again, we're talking about D hop as a, you know, a functional contract of about two years. Right. He's 31 years Somebody's old. I don't want to sign year, him with right. five-year deal. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's the same thing with Ioannidis at 29. I would like to see him be a guy that, as you know, in terms of functionality of his contract, is one or, or two years. They could put three years on it, four years on it, whatever it is, but after two years, you do have an ability to go free and not have to be, you know, not take a huge cap hit from him. And then the other one to me is backup quarterback. I still think there's three areas. If you're a team that says we are going to go for it, those are the three areas that they still need to address because you get into the playoffs and you're going to face the Eagles or you make it to, let's just, uh, you know, play the pie in the sky and, and, you know, while we're, while we're doing this and say you get to the Super Bowl and you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to open with them. If you can end the season against them. You're going to have to be a team that puts up a lot of numbers offensively. You're going to have to be a team that goes punch for punch, score for score with them, while also having the ability to defend against the run. Week two, that's my big concern with Seattle coming in here. How do they stop the run? Obviously, they've drafted Jack Campbell. That should be a large part of it, but you've got to address it up front as well. So I think yeah. Ioannidis, I'd like to see them at least explore that or explore somebody coming in there. Yeah. Um, but I think Hop, You can't force guys to sign, right? Everybody no. says, oh, why didn't we sign him? Maybe he doesn't want to come here, right? Maybe he wants to go somewhere warm. Maybe he wants to go somewhere right. where they're from, right? A hometown deal. You can't just necessarily say, oh, uh, uh, Brad Holmes, we should have signed that guy. 
lot of times they try to. Now you don't hear about that, but it's always it's also up to the right. players. And I know, look, D Hop was one of those guys too that kind of came out with his list of I think there's five quarterbacks, you know, who he wants to play with. Yeah. A lot of these teams realistically, and look, I know the cap is seems to be very fluid these days and how teams get creative to fit uh numbers in and crunch yeah. numbers and push things down the road. But the Lions might be that team that, hey, if you're looking for a contender and you're looking for a decent contract, you know, Buffalo's got like a million dollars left of salary cap. I think the Chiefs are probably in the same boat, mm -hmm. um, right? So if you're the Lions, you could say, man, we feel like we're a contender. I think that this offseason, when you're able to go sign a C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a David Montgomery, um, right, a, a Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh, that kind of shows us that, hey, this is no longer a – you don't have to overpay to get guys people here. Don't want to be right. that you have to pay them. So if you're looking and then look, another argument is while we've got a lot of young guys that we've got to pay, probably starting this off season, you sign D Hop to, I mean, what did Odell sign for? One year, fifteen, 15. million. You sign him to two year, thirty million dollars, right? Wouldn't have an issue with that because you know what? A lot of times when you sign guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, when you sign guys like Jonah Jackson, those first couple of years of the cap are going to be very low. Mm -hmm. Um those are usually going to be backloaded contracts. So I think I, I don't think they're in a situation where you have to jeopardize, you have to mortgage the future for one year run, right? They're still trying to build this thing so that they can have a good solid five, six, seven, eight years, not just try to go all in like the Rams did a couple of years ago. It worked out for them. They got the Super Bowl, but they're going to be in a little bit of hell for the next couple of years based off of what they gave up to get that Super Bowl. The Lions aren't going to do that. And I don't think they're in the position where they have to do that. And that's the good thing. They still have a lot of flexibility that they're able to uh, utilize still going into the season. Yeah. So we're going to continue to talk about this Lions offseason. There's going to be news that happens in and around the NFL. We'll talk to you about how it relates to the Detroit Lions. I don't think D-Hop's going to be on the market for very long. So here in the coming weeks, hopefully we're talking about him as a, as a Detroit Lion. And we'll find out where he ends up landing. Same with Matt Ioannidis and so many other free agents. It's going to be a lot of moving parts up until the start of training camp. Uh, so stay tuned for all your Detroit Lions information. Lang and Jansen on Necessary Roughness.